Good morning, brothers and sisters. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I am Mark Hedegar. I'm blessed, honored, and humbled to be the pastor at Salisbury Center in Middleville, United Methodist Church, where we expect miracles, recognize miracles, and celebrate miracles together. I have a couple of announcements this morning. First of all, um, I intended to have this recording online last night. But I came over here yesterday to wrap it all up and print it out, and uh, the Holy Spirit changed my message. So we started from scratch yesterday. Uh, so today's message is, is absolutely Spirit-filled and uh, by His direction. I apologize for being a little later than normal. Uh, reminder, we have a men's breakfast August 6th at 8 o'clock in Middleville, and we have a bonfire at uh, Salisbury Center, Friday, 22nd of July at 5.30. If you can make it, bring your own s'mores in your own chairs. This morning's memory verse comes from 2 Corinthians six fourteen. It says, Do not be mismatched with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and lawlessness have in common? Or what partnership is there between light and darkness? Let us pray. Father God, we thirst for your word. We long to make sense of so much we don't understand. We want our worship to be more than a quick diversion from the problems and challenges we face. We want to believe there's more to life than seeking personal gain. Take away our distractions so we may be confronted by your love and grace through your word and your message. We come to you this morning bearing our troubles and anxieties, hoping to leave here without them. We come seeking a word of hope amid all the bad news, the senseless suffering, and the evil that surrounds us. May we find our hope in your gospel as we gather to hear your word. Amen. If you would please join me in the call to worship. Come, people of faith, trust God's steadfast love. We want to acknowledge God first in our lives. Take refuge in his eternal presence. We seek to rely on a power beyond ourselves. Gather in silent awe before the source of all things. We are the church, gathered in Christ's name. Know that Christ is the image of the invisible God. We are the body of Christ, seeking to live faithfully. We witness and worship God today, grateful for love and forgiveness. Uh, this morning's Lady Scripture comes from Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, verses 1 through 11. Now, I sometimes like to point out what the heading is for the Scripture readings in my Bible. So in my Bible, uh, the heading right before this Scripture says, False and True Worship. False and True Worship. It reads this way, shout out, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob, their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me righteous judgment. They want God on their side. Why 
do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be watered, you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We move to uh, joys and concerns today. And um, I just want to say we've been doing the the scripture cards on the three by five cards. And uh, each week people are making them up and each week people are uh, putting them in a basket. We're praying over them and they're taking them home and reading them through the week. And I'm just getting a ton of feedback on uh, people giving me their personal testimony about pulling a card out and, and just being so excited that it literally fit right into what was going on in their life. So I'm really excited that the Spirit showed us that, and I'm really excited that our people are doing that. Uh, you can still do that from home. You can just, as you're reading the Bible, you find a scripture, uh, ask the Lord to, to point you at something, and then take that scripture and write it on your own 3 by 5 card, and then keep that with you. Keep it with you through the day and and read it as many times as you can. As we move to the to joys and concerns, um, I would just ask that, that you speak those words out, the names out, the situations out, the conditions out, whatever is going on. I know there's a lot of people out there hurting, um, and my heart breaks for that, but there is a lot of joy. The weather's been beautiful, the animals have been out, the birds have been out, the sunrises and sunsets have been spectacular, and we still serve a risen Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, today and all days, embrace us in a love that knows no end. Today and all days, fill us with a power that overcomes. Today and all days, encourage us with a word that nourishes. 
Today and all days, inspire us with a hope that sustains. Today and all days, comfort us with a peace that endures. Today and all days, bring wholeness of body, mind, and spirit. Today and all days, God of wholeness, heal the hurts, both inside and out, that make life difficult each day. Ease the pain, loosen the chains, bring freedom in their place. For those weighed down by ill health, bring wholeness to body, mind, and spirit. For those weighed down by worry, bring wisdom, peace, and reassurance. For those weighed down by fear, bring freedom, release, and liberation. For those weighed down by sadness, bring comfort, strength, and joy. For all whose hearts are troubled at the start of this new day, be the voice they hear, the warmth they feel, the wisdom they seek, the strength they require, and the one in whose arms they rest. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. The title to this morning's message is If and Then. If and Then. We spent the past four weeks discussing the sins of our denomination and the need for a revival. A revival that should begin with each individual and then grow to the church body. And then hopefully up through the districts, conferences, and the denomination. The problem with that statement is there's no longer any hope for it to flow up through the denomination. The lines have been drawn, sides have been picked, and now decisions need to be made by both sides. The only real decision is to either be a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church or not. We cannot preach the gospel and the world at the same time. As I said last week, I know the Holy Spirit is asking us, our two churches, to make a stand right now to either follow biblical teachings or to fall away and blend in with the world. Charles Stanley said, holding fast to the faithful word is the key to living in this world without becoming conformed to it. He said, ours is a secular culture dominated by materialism, immorality, sensuality, and perversions of every sort. People live in defiance of God's law, believing they can do whatever they please without any consequences. I love Charles Stanley. This falling away from scripture truth began with a a subtle influence from the culture of today's society. It seeped into our minds through the media, but it damaged our lives, our families, our churches, Its philosophies and ideas and values are corrupted. See, it started slow and started numbing us to the truth. It's like the old story of how to boil a frog. You simply turn the heat up gradually and the frog becomes accustomed to it. No alarms are set off. But if you place a frog in boiling water, it'll recognize the danger and jump right out. That's exactly how the enemy comes at Christians. And he uses TV programs, movies, newscasts, and social media to numb us into submission or acceptance. Now, if you don't believe me, let me ask you a question. Would America have allowed a man to use a woman's bathroom with young girls in it 50 years ago? 
Nope. Hot water. Abandon ship. But after slowly introducing that way of thinking into movies and TV shows, people become numb to the wrongness of it. People mistakenly believe that those types of issues wouldn't affect their lives or even their churches. But somewhere along the way, Christians started asking questions like, yeah, what's the big deal? Or what does it matter what they do? And of course, the big question as a line of defense is always, 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 doesn't Jesus say we are to love our neighbor as ourself? Yes. Yes, he does. But for the past four weeks, I've been trying to teach the rest of the story as Paul Harvey used to say. You see, like Isaiah, I hear the Lord telling me the same thing we read in Isaiah 58.1 this morning. He said, shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Well, brothers and sisters, picture Methodist as the ones he's referring to as my people. And then picture the house of Jacob as our denomination, if you can. Today's scripture reading shows God calling out the nation of Israel for appearing godly and not actually being godly. Israel was following the written law, but missing out on the intent of the law. They appeared obedient in their fast, but in truth they did it to draw attention to themselves, both from God and mankind. They even asked God why he didn't notice or give credit or bless them for their fasts. So God called them out. He told them they fasted to serve their own purposes and avoided obeying the commandments that were inconvenient to them, like feeding the poor, like housing the homeless, providing clothing to those without clothes, and satisfying the needs of the afflicted. But see, God never leaves us hanging. He always gives us a solution or the escape plan. He uses two words throughout the Bible to get us all back on course. Those words are if and then. If and then. You see, God gives us conditions followed by his promise. So after telling them what they should be doing in verses 6 and 7 of our scripture reading, he follows up with his promise in verses 8 and 9. If They do those things. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. Then, and only then. In verses 10 through 11, we again see the if-then proposal his promise, based on his conditions. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail. Yes, we are saved by grace, 
No, we can't do any works to be saved so no one can boast in themselves. But this isn't about works. It's about obedience. Obedience to God's command through his written word. But I suppose if someone doesn't believe the Bible 100%, then it's easier for them to pick and choose which commands better suit their needs or lifestyle. I believe the only way to combat this falling away is to not only read the Bible, but cling to the Bible, cling to his word, and let that be the influence on our lives. Biblical influence instead of worldly influence. So while I agree Jesus does command us to love one another, he also commands us to be obedient to his word. Let's review a few of the passages I used over the past few weeks. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And once again, those who love me will keep my word. Remember him asking the questions, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? We are called to be obedient because of our love for God. 1 John 2, 3 reminds us, Now by this we know that we have come to know him, if we obey his commandments. It doesn't say obey some of his commandments, or only the ones we agree with. It says we'll obey his commandments, all of them. 1 John 5, 2 through 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. Most of the world can recite John 3, 16. I'll pause for a minute. I, I'm sure you're doing this at home right now. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Most of the world can recite that. But how many can recite the next verse? It reads, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. We are saved through Christ. And it's Christ himself that commands us to be obedient to him, not only as individuals, but as denominations and as bodies of Christ. I mentioned last week that conservative pastors as well as parishioners are being persecuted for our strong stance on the Bible. But Paul addressed this very same issue with Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 12 through 17. It reads, Indeed, all, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have, what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it, and how from childhood you have known sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. 
All scripture is God-breathed and God-inspired. Shame on those who bend the word to their will and deceive others through their teachings. Now, I understand some congregations are anxious about the impending split with our denomination. But the story of the young rich ruler came to mind when I was writing this message. Remember, he had come to Jesus and he, he asked how he could inherit eternal life. Jesus told him to obey the law. We read the response of both him and Jesus in Mark 10, 20 through 23. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Now on a side note, as I I read that aloud again, I just want to point out that, see, yeah, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him. He knew what his decision was going to be. He knew he was going to go against what he was teaching him, but he still loved them. This issue we're facing right now is not about love. It's about obedience. It's about choice. So, even though the law was completed with the coming of Jesus, he told the man to obey the law to prove that even though he thought he obeyed it, he didn't, and he wasn't. It turns out he had an idol after all, and that idol was money. That man potentially traded eternity for the money in his bank. He was thinking short-term instead of long-term. He wasn't considering eternal life. He was concerned with this life. And there, in a nutshell, is my concern, brothers and sisters. That churches faced with with the choice between money and the bank versus following Christ may hear the words from Christ himself, I never knew you. Go away from me. Churches bold enough to put their faith and trust that God will bless them for being obedient can find comfort in Christ's words in Revelation 2. 1 through 3. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your endurance. I know that you cannot tolerate evildoers. You have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them to be false. I also know that you are enduring and bearing up for the sake of my name and that you have not grown weary. Now is not the time to grow weary, brothers and sisters. The end times are coming and the enemy knows that. We know that. We've witnessed a complete abandonment of morals, kindness, and love in this hateful world. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 reminds us, you must understand this that in the last days, distressing times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, bolsters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, unfeeling, slanderers, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the outward form of godliness, but denying its power, avoid them. 
holding to the outward form of godliness, which brings us right back to our scripture reading from today. The nation of Israel fasted to appear righteous, but inside they were whitewashed tombs. They quoted scripture and bent it to their own interpretation to suit their needs. Today's UMC publicly quotes scripture saying, Jesus calls us to love our neighbors, but they twist the rest of scripture to suit their agenda. Billy Graham said the church, the body of Christ, will never fail. However, when churches turn away from God's word to chase after the worldly system, they stumble and fall. There is a vast difference between godliness and worldliness. There's a crisis today of many professing Christians walking hand in hand with the world, making it difficult to distinguish the Christian from the unbeliever. He said this should never be. If we wish to remain part of the vine, then we are called to abide with Jesus. Those that fail to do so will be removed, including individuals, churches, and yes, complete denominations. One of my favorite commercials asks a question, what's in your wallet? Today I ask, what's in your heart? My prayer is that we all choose to serve the Lord and demand sound biblical teachings in obedience to his word. We need to choose between following Jesus and his word or face the fact that God will remove his favor from our churches. I end this message with a Reminder from Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let us pray. When our faith is weak, you strengthen us. When we lose our way, you rescue us. When we fall into sin, you forgive us. Gracious Father, please remind us as we forget that your love is unconditional, always molding us into what we could be, always blessing us that we might glorify you. We thank you for your love, grace, and forgiveness. We thank you for those who stand firm when faith is tested or in the face of persecution are not afraid to confess your name. We give thanks for courage shown and as for strength to follow their example. And finally, Father God, we thank you for faithful saints of every age who with Paul declared to live as Christ and to die as gain. Bless their sacrifice and all whose faith has been born or strengthened by being in their presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Through our offerings, we proclaim Jesus to our community. Through our offerings, we display the conditions of our hearts in a level of trust we have in he who supplies all our needs according to his will. We move to the offering this morning, and, and once again, brothers and sisters, I thank you for your obedience. Um, it seems every week we're, we're almost bragging uh, in the pulpit, I should say, I'm almost bragging every week about the work that the churches are doing in the community, uh, sharing uh, your offering uh, with people that are in need. So I thank you for that. You are touching a lot of lives, even though you might not be able to see them. So let us pray. Lord of all wisdom and patience, 
What would it mean if we asked you to dedicate not only the gifts we give to the church, but all the rest that we keep, the rest that we hold back? What if we lived as those whose every dollar, every talent, every hour was dedicated to making kindness, mercy, and justice the norm and not the exception? What would it mean if we really saw the places where indifference causes pain, hardship, and harm to souls, bodies, and creation itself? Help us to make this more than a hypothetical, but the reality of an offering of our whole being. We pray in the name of the one who gave his whole self for our redemption. Amen. Maureen Killeran gives us the challenge this week. She said, no matter how weak or how frightened we may feel, we each have gifts that can make a difference in the world. In this coming week, may we all do at least one thing to support the broken, to welcome the stranger, to celebrate what is worthy, to do the work of justice and love. And I receive the benediction. Let the majesty of the Father be the light by which you walk. The compassion of the Son be the love by which you walk, in the presence of the Spirit, be the power by which you walk. Amen. Until we meet again, brothers and sisters, may God bless and keep each and every one of you. Please stay safe and stay in his word. God bless you all.